It's the Mosley Show moving in well into the 5 o'clock hour on an important Wednesday. Why is it important? Well, they're all important, but but this one, man, we're, we're on the eve of a, of a Baylor-West Virginia game. And while West Virginia is, I know some people seem to have them last in their rankings. Oh, goodness. I can, Longquist is moving all around. Kevin, get set. Get set wherever you are. Are you, on, are you like on some kind of weightlifting equipment? What are you doing as we begin this interview? No, I'm fine, Matt. I'm just waiting for you to come to me. <laughs> I just I love it when I just hear all that movement that it's a it's almost like a Longquist special as Good I'm doing my big then. introduction I just hear working then. <laughs> I know golly <laughs> cut out that clatter okay Kevin Longquist from Rivals.com with his weekly appearance and you can read him at Rivals.com you can follow him on Twitter uh, on the Twitter handle at Sikkim Sports, Kevin, this is going to be an interesting matchup because I don't think West Virginia is necessarily. I think the whole conference has gotten better. Obviously, Kansas is a lot better now. OU looks awful. Okay, I mean, right. so we can't really, you know, the so there's been some things that have changed in the conference, but I don't think it's. I don't think we can just say West Virginia is not that good. Go take care of business on the road. I think West Virginia had a really bad game in Austin and got blown off the field by the Longhorns. But I think what we're finding out about Texas is they may be better than we realized. And that maybe maybe that tech thing that happened to them um, wasn't like a sign of things to come. So when you have started looking at this West Virginia team, what what really stands out to you about this particular ball game? Well, first of all, I think JT Daniels has had a really good season for them at quarterback. I think he's delivered everything from them. He's the transfer from Georgia, if anyone is trying to figure out what his history is. But he's probably been their best fit at quarterback that they've had there for quite some time. And I think that makes a big difference in terms of how you want to run your offense. And now they're not going to have C.J. Donaldson, their top running back, who was a converted tight end because he got a concussion in the Texas game and he won't be ready for this one tomorrow night. But the fact that JT's kind of delivered on what they've asked for is, has been accepted, has been exactly what they were looking for. I mean, he was really good against Pitt in the opener. He just threw that pick six in the fourth quarter that, you know, that ultimately led to that loss. The other thing that stands out to me is while this defense for West Virginia has been pretty salty this year, stopping the run, I think the two areas that really stand out to me that kind of hurt them is that they can't get off the field on third down. I think they're allowing opponents to convert about 43%, something like that. They also don't force a lot of turnovers. They've only forced three. Now, of course, we've seen where Baylor struggled in forcing turnovers, too. But if you're a team that doesn't have a lot of margin for error like the Mountaineers do, and if you can't turn it over and give your offense opportunities, I think that hurts, too, in some respects. Yeah, that's – I like all that. and I, I am kind of like you, fascinated with this quarterback, because you're right. They really should have won that pit game. Their coach made a, really, a bad decision in that game – and and I, I was he I'm trying to remember should he have gone for gone for it was it like fourth and inches on the opposing team's 43 and they were up by seven I'm trying to remember exactly what he decided to do but anyway it was 30 they they basically had the lead and were in really good shape and and he got very conservative as I recall and and we don't know exactly what to make of Neil Brown um 
this is a this is a team they do have some explosive players. Now let's look at Baylor for for a little bit. Apuica should be should be ready to go. I mean, this is a uh, you know we we there were some interesting questions the other day I thought about the O line, but let's stick with the defense. Uh, Kevin, I mean, there were some huge losses on this defense. We may yeah. not have made enough of that. Quite honestly, it was unfair to think that they were going to have as anybody uh, as explosive or close to explosive as Petrie, uh, as big a playmaker as JT Woods, uh, but the speed of Boogie Barnes. I mean, so they really lost some pieces, and I think they just had such really good depth that we thought they would be okay back there. Cornerback has been an issue. They are giving up, and and quite honestly, Kevin, they do have some explosive players at wide receiver, West Virginia, and this guy can get the ball downfield. If I'm West Virginia, I'm thinking, let's test those guys early and often. I would agree with that. I mean, the one thing that I I look at this is the fact that you you, you look at a guy like Bryce Ford Wheaton, who is basically Daniel's favorite target, um, the fact that they've already connected 35 times this year, Matt, kind of tells you, what kind of chemistry that they've developed over. And, of course, you know, Ford, you know, Ford Wheaton's a guy that's been in the program for quite some time. Same thing for a guy like Sam James, who's been around for quite some time as well. And I think this, you know, the criticism of the secondary, remember, Matt, you and I have talked about this, and I still think that a young secondary is just going to have to learn to go through a season like this up and down, and it may not ever come to a point where the light comes on. You're just Maybe it comes on at the finale at Texas. I don't know. But it still comes part and parcel to what your defensive front gives you in order to put more heat on the, the, the opposing quarterback so he can, has to deliver it earlier than he wants to, that sort of thing. And that might be the one thing where the front for Baylor's defense has not been as consistent or as aggressive as you would like it to be in order to take some of that heat off like an A.J. McCarty or a Snacks Johnson, that type of thing. And so that's where you – get some of the results that you get from the opposing team passing it downfield. And if I'm Neil Brown tomorrow night, Matt, I'm going after them because if my offensive line can decently protect JT and go after the secondary with two guys like James and Ford Wheaton, then do it until Baylor shows you that they can shut it down. Yeah, I think I think you have to do that. Talking to Kevin Longquist from Rivals.com on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Um, I think we're still trying to figure out where this conference is right now. Kevin, you do a nice job of stepping back sometimes looking at the conference as a whole. Is it fair because of their record right now uh, to look at the, the Horn Frogs and, and, and just say, I mean, I – you gotta you gotta respect what they've done so far, and and sure. think and, and and think. Hey, this may be the and obviously OSU. Um, we saw it up close with right. Baylor. If if you're kind of doing the power rankings, and and you're thinking about those two teams right now that are on a, a collision course with each other, like what do you who who do you think? Like if you had to kind of pick your okay, these are the teams I think are going to end up in the Big 12 championship here as we get toward midseason. Where would you be leaning right now? That's a great question, Matt. I mean, I think it really comes down to three teams in my mind, unless Baylor can show us here over the next few weeks that they can make a big move. But, you know, I would say that the three top teams in the conference right now would be, in no particular order, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas. And I think and for TCU, you know, Matt, when we've talked about the Horn Frogs, I've always said that their skill guys, you know, Quentin Johnson's one of the best wide receivers in the country. 
And when Sunny Dykes went over there, it wasn't that they were devoid of offensive skill players. They weren't. And what was the issue is I just think that they had a, a culture that had gone stale under Gary Patterson, which is why they fell to what they did last year at five and seven. I, I think in the case of Texas, uh, you know, maybe maybe the Quinn Ewers injury is more significant than we played it out to be because, you know, you and I were kind of tweeting back and forth during the game against Oklahoma and how different that offense looks when Quinn is in there versus when Hudson Card is in there. And then with Oklahoma State, you know, you, when you watch him against Texas Tech, I don't know, for whatever reason, the Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game is kind of an out-of-body experience. That always turns on its heel, and it's always a wild game, and it's always determined in the last – four or five minutes because remember Oklahoma State won there last year by a field goal and so I think it really comes down to those three teams I'm not dismissing Baylor's chances of getting to the uh, to the championship game in December by no means but I think if you look at the three at the top three teams of the conference right now it's got to be those three yeah I think you're right I think Joey may have found something at quarterback and we can keep you know that shuck guy seems injury prone they may get him back at some point but Baron um is it Baron Morton that's a guy that uh, great kid kid from Eastland Uh, you know he was a kid that I talked to on the recruiting trail a couple years back and he had been to Baylor a couple times with probably one of the nicest kids I've ever dealt with uh just as an aside yeah, don't you like it when I test your brain on Saturdays on all recruits and then I get frustrated <laughs> yeah. if you don't remember where one kid committed or something like that? But, yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> like Saturday, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Matt. I only, I only deal with 100 kids plus every year and I've only done this for 20 some odd years, but don't worry about that. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I won't. I won't. But, uh, you know, know, this you early. This early signing period, yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of things that hold me back uh, from right. uh, from coming at you. Uh, is are the Bears? It's amazing sometimes how teams will almost try to put a 2023 class to bed and, and really start thinking, okay, 2024. I mean, I even think of a uh, young man at uh, Temple, uh, Tory and uh, York. I mean, I. What a yeah. what a player! What a leader! I mean, this guy is is already he already a Baylor kid. I mean, you might as well put him a green and gold jersey on him because he already kind of represents the university and he does so many things like that. Uh, it, right? Is everything getting put to bed in in proper form? I mean, are you still at one point rivals had Baylor as like a top? 15 now it's probably more in the 20s i would think uh and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just that other teams obviously start getting more and more of these 2023 guys how are the bears looking and do you think they'll do you think they'll be able to close pretty well uh as we get closer to december yeah i mean two quick things here so they're uh they're number 16 in our national rankings right now with their 25 commits so they're and that really okay. hasn't moved too much since the since the season started uh one by the way one a side note for Tori and york uh, he's up for homecoming queen at temple so we'll see if he actually walks away with the crown uh, on friday night um but their ability to close these guys with all 25 and maybe add one or two because of the you know the, the loosey-goosey numbers that they can finagle with this year i think that they'll be in a pretty good position to get probably all 25 of these guys. The only guy I'm a little worried about is Sean Tompkins, the offensive lineman out in Georgia, uh, where some other schools in the deep South are making a run at him. Uh, You know, if Baylor can hang on to him, great. I don't think it would be a catastrophic thing if they lose him, but I'm just saying, but I think for the most part, you know, once they survived the Austin Novosad issue, 
And by the way, on Austin, he's got a big game uh, Friday night against Austin Westlake. So people want to see how he does against, you know, great competition. This will be Dripping Springs' best game of the year. It'll mm. be this one this coming Friday night. So that just wanted to point that out real fast. But once Baylor crossed the uh, the Novacet threshold right before the start of the season, I think that really kept the class together and, and unified it even more. So I think they're in pretty good shape. And of course, when the season when the regular season ends with the Texas game on the 25th and then the coaches can get back out on the road, whether Baylor's in the big 12 championship game or not, before they get about two weeks before that signing period, before they can either add or have to replace or anything like that. But so far there's been no indication that anyone's wavering or on the fence like this. All right. Well, Hey, great visiting with you. I've got my eye on this. Uh, uh, Kevin does the Alito games that Burleson Centennial Alito game yeah. should be a good one. And as the sideline announcer for Alito, uh, I expect you to announce uh, whenever Alito has its homecoming. Uh, I want you to announce the whole court. I was glad you brought us that nugget, Torian York, up for homecoming king in Temple. Yeah. And when Alito does have their homecoming, I want you to present the entire court, homecoming court. In fact, uh, I'll be at some kind of mum garter exchange this very evening. <laughs> all right, hey, <laughs> for my daughter. Alito's homecoming, Alito's homecoming was actually last week, and I have a tradition on the radio broadcast because this is my 17th year to do it. Is that I've interviewed the Queen during the third quarter of every game that, of every homecoming that I've done. So I interviewed her last week. So That's good. Kids. And so it's been fun. Okay. It's actually one of the fun things to do during the course of the year. Because, you know, Alito's going to play a team that they're going to yeah. be pretty soundly. But real quickly on Centennial, top 10 matchup in Class 5A Division One, The best start that Centennial's had in school history. And Alito has a national record 108-game district winning streak on the line. And that place at Burleson ISD Stadium is going to be packed Friday night. Should be a great event. All right. You'll be there to call the event. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Matt. Take care. Kevin Longquist, Rivals.com, Dismounts next. Your leader in high school sports, ESPN, Central Texas. The Axel Coaches Show with Craig Horn is brought to you by Triple S Sports. 